Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. Time now for the Danny Mac Show with BK, getting you inside the cards and St. Louis sports on 101 ESPN. Sends a fly ball out to deep center. It's at the Slips a high fly ball into deep right field, backing up Carlson. Oh, he caught it! What a catch! Fly ball into center. This will do it. You want eight in a row? You got it! It's a sweep of San Diego. It's ten games above 500, and this team is rolling. Man, is it fun right now to be uh, doing some games and affiliated with the Cardinals and watching Cardinal baseball. BK is back on the train. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. This is the Danny Mac show on a Monday. Two weeks to go in the regular season. That's Brandon Kiley. I'm Dan McLaughlin. And we have had a lot of fun here the last eight games. Cardinals have won eight in a row. Really, a lot of fun the last 10 11 in which the Cardinals have won. And amazingly, BK, they have opened up a three-game lead for the second wildcard spot. So their fate is in their hands. They've got Milwaukee and Chicago left on the schedule. And let's go, man. I can't wait to watch the game tonight. They have officially proven they're the best of the wild card contenders for that number two spot. I mean, they, they've proven that now. We've seen them against the Reds head-to-head. We watched it against the Padres. We saw it against the Mets. The Cardinals are the better team right now. And, Dan, I'm coming to a realization. This is just not the same team we watched. Exactly. Before the month of August. It's exactly. just different. Whether it be personnel, vibe, confidence, All of it. health, whatever you want to look at. This is not the same team. So we have to, and I include myself in this. We have to stop evaluating them and looking back to June and looking back to early July. No, that's that's not the team I'm watching right now. The team that I'm watching right now has confidence. They have one of the best players on the planet right now in Tyler O'Neill. Nolan Arenado's hitting pretty well. Paul Goldschmidt's been on fire for seemingly eight weeks now. Yadier Molina's hitting pretty well once again. Tommy Edmond is hitting for doubles consistently once again. The bullpen's pretty locked down on the back end, and you've got a rotation that, while not among the best in the league, Effectiveness-wise, they're right up there because they're throwing strikes and they have one of the best defenses, if not the best defense in the sport behind them. So two things that uh, stand out for me in watching this team the last two weeks. Number one, this is a really, really good defensive team. And I was saying that from day one, Mm -hmm. and you know that. I mean, I've been saying when they were walking the world, I was saying, let them hit it, you know, throw strikes. I understand that there's velocity in the game, and I understand that that's part of it. However... This is a really good defensive team. You got the best third baseman defensively in the game, maybe. Make a case for it for sure. You got a pretty good shortstop right now in Amundo Sosa. I've been a big believer that you leave Tommy Edmond at second base and let him do his thing. And by the way, 
I want to stop with him being a Swiss Army knife and going out and get a set. He is your second baseman. He's your leadoff guy. And I understand he took a dip in the middle of the summer, but that's why you play six months. Your first baseman has been outstanding. He should win the gold glove this year. Your catcher is awfully good. Your center fielder is elite defensively. Your left fielder is pretty darn good defensively. Your right fielder, his skill set was on display this weekend. Home runs from both sides of the plate. He's 22. He's only going to get better. Had an outfield assist, his eighth. And then also the great play that he made on Tatis yesterday in the first pitch of the game. That was an outstanding play. So that's number one. And number two that I look at with this team, and I didn't realize it was this good, but now I'm seeing it in this regard. Their base running has really picked up, and part of the base running is their athleticism. Mm -hmm. They've got some fast guys, and they're smart. You know, Goldie's a smart base runner. Yachty, while not being fast, is a smart base runner. And the other guys can flat out fly. So you're starting to see the athleticism of this team come to fruition. Now, having said all that, what's the number one reason why that they're in this position? In my opinion, the, the it's pitching, and both the rotation and the bullpen settled down. That was it. They, get, they found guys that could throw some strikes and get them through some innings and maybe get an off day for the big three. And now it's turned into the big five. And maybe Whitley's part of that, too, and make it six. Um, so those are the things that had to happen. I guess that's why you play six months, BK, because your team can change, i.e. the San Diego Padres going the other way. If you would have told me the Cardinals in, what is it, September 19th mm-hmm. would be three and a half in front of the Padres, after what I saw the Padres do to the Cardinals earlier this year, I said, you're out of your mind. But that's what's happened because it's six months and things change. And at some point, you do have to give the front office credit for sticking with the outfielders and probably making the right decisions on those guys mm-hmm. and also the guys that they went out and got. Now, are, are is John Lester and Jay Happ and Wade LeBlanc, are they going to set the world on fire? Is TJ McFarland going to do this for the next three years? Is Luis Garcia? I don't know. Probably not. But... The analytics that I look at, that you look at, it's different than what they have in their offices. So they take a look at certain guys and say, you know what? I think we can do this. Let's get with our baseball guys. This may play, and maybe we catch lightning in a bottle. But we see something here that could help us. And lo and behold, I'll be damned it did. It's the thing that we give Bill Belichick all the credit for with his defense, right? He sees specific players that are around the league, and they're not superstars, but he's like, you know what? I know exactly what that guy does well, and I can fit him into my system. And if he does this one thing well, it's going to help us 25 times throughout the course of the 2021 season. And it does. And they go out there and they do their job, which he hones in on all the time. And they find a way to consistently win games as a result. What the Cardinals did here is they looked at what their strength is. And and John Mosellock probably said to his scouts, to his front office, they were in a meeting before the deadline. He was like, listen, boys. We're not going to get rid of our top five prospects. It's not happening. So we're not going to get one of these top pitchers that are on the market. And frankly, we don't need to because what we need is guys that throw strikes. We have the best defense in the sport. And if they're able to throw strikes and induce weak contact, we're going to win games because our guys will convert those ground balls, convert those fly balls into outs more often than anybody else in the sport. So the guys that you're looking at, don't even look at the ERA. Do they throw strikes? Can they be competitive? Are they going to be able to help us in October? If the answer to those questions is yes, then we can go win with those guys right now. And we're seeing the results. Like it was, in my opinion, a little late. I, I wish they would have done it earlier, but 
They got it done when they needed to, and all you needed was a chance. And the Padres opened up the door, and the Cardinals are walking right through it. You know, it's interesting. I I agree with you. I would have loved to have seen this in June. But the thing is, when you look at that time frame in the sport every year in June, more teams believe that they're in it. And the price tag is a little bit higher. So you sit there and you go, gosh, can we just hang on for a couple of more weeks Play 500, play a little bit above 500. And if we do that, some of these price tags are going to drop. But I'm with you. I, I, I mean, June, ugh, I dreaded coming in here sometimes. The, yeah. By the way, the Padres are going through now what the Cardinals went sure through in are. June. I mean, you look at that rotation they threw out there this weekend. Vince Velasquez and Arietta. Yeah, like, what are we doing here? I mean, that, and, and by the way, I think those guys would be better here in St. Louis than they are out in San Diego. Their defense is just. I think I've learned more about the Cardinals defense by watching their wild card competitors over the last two weeks than I did at any other time. BK, you how can about, see it in black and white right now. Well, how about the first inning yesterday? So you have the catch by Carlson on Tatis, and that would have set the tone in the game. And with Tatis's speed, depending on where that caroms, and if Dylan Carlson is not able to get up quickly, mm-hmm. he was kind of shook up. That's at least a triple, maybe an inside the park home run on the first pitch of the game in a game that they have to win, the Padres. And then Tatis is making a sick start in center field. Great athlete, and I bet he can play it at a high level. Mm. But he made a mistake. Number one, the catch was a mistake. You know, he dropped it. That's an error. But then the mental error of not going to third base to get a runner, you you just let you say, hey, that run's going to score. I made the mistake. I'm going to pick the ball up and throw a seed to third. We're going to get the lead guy. That changes the complexion of that inning. And so they didn't do that. Saturday night, Tommy Edmond made a a play early on to his left, diving. The other one, he was kind of shifted towards the middle on a backhanded play. He slides and hops up all in one throw and makes the play. And then the double play as well. The double play yesterday. They ran into the out. It was things like that. And that game on Saturday featured Miles Michaelis. I want to talk about him in just a moment, but he believes that this club has been rejuvenated. I think that series in New York got us going. I think we're we're going to be a, a heck of a ball club here on out. That's for sure. It's a different team. And I thought Michaelis, something that I took from the weekend, he was better. There was something that he was hitting 95-96 with his fastball. The breaking ball didn't have as much of a hump in it. And I guess we should expect that. I mean, the guy's been out for two two years. But if you get him back to throwing like he was in the final couple of starts that he may make here, he'll have three more starts, I would imagine. That's a difference maker for this team. Now, they're not in yet. I mean, this is going to be tough. You, you got eight left with Milwaukee. No, seven left with Milwaukee. Seven and, seven, Milwaukee and seven, seven with the Cubs. Yep. So you got 14 left. Uh, Cubs would love to do nothing more than spoil the Cardinals. Same for the Brewers. And the Brewers. Are you kidding me? Well, here's how. Here's what I think, and I, I, we'll ask Jeff Levering about this. They're going to win the division. Could happen against the Cardinals this week. Um, but then, do they feel like, hey, can we get the best record? And that's something then that plays into what happens with the Cardinals. Of do they push their starters and others in the series against St. Louis, or do they say, you know what, we're good? And Peralta is going to go, not talking about this series, but next week, Peralta will go three and Burns is going to go two and Woodford's going to get his three or whatever, however it you know, lays out. But that's something to think about going into next week. So I don't want to put the cart before the horse. And then the other thing is, look at the Phillies' remaining schedule. They've got the Orioles, terrible. They've got Miami twice. Now they do have a head-to-head with Atlanta, which may decide that division before it's all said and done. And they have 
what could be the MVP in the National League in Bryce Harper, who has been awesome. He and, by the way, O'Neal in the month of September have similar numbers, yeah. and people talk about Harper MVP. Just look at what, and I'm not saying Tyler O'Neill's the MVP, just look at September and how good that Tyler O'Neill has been. So uh, it's not going to be easy here, and it starts again tonight, and I can't wait. I think we just learned that, as I mentioned earlier, the Cardinals are the best of the wild card teams. And I mentioned, Dan, this is not the same team that we watched in June or July. What we're going to learn over the next 14 games is how they compete against the best of the best in the National League. We saw it against the Dodgers, but that was against their bullpen in those two games that they won. It, it's a little different, but good wins nonetheless. I'm not however, taking away. However, I'll, I'll, let me just counter. Please. That was against their number one offense. You know, so that part is something you got to keep in mind. They shut them down for the most part. Now, and they the first couple all of, the credit for it. Yeah, first couple of games hit and miss, but the next two, they were right there with them. So now, I give them credit. In these seven games against Milwaukee, you get to find out what the ceiling is of this Cardinals team. This version of the Cardinals should be able to go three and four, four and three, something like that against this Brewers team, especially with the Brewers in those final three games. I'm with you, Dan. I I think they'll probably take their foot off of the gas a bit. They'll make sure that everybody's ready to go. Especially if you're, if the the, the top record is out of reach, why do it? I mean, BK, I look, I, I keep saying this. If they were willing to take a guy out of having a potential life changing game, which is a no hitter, because they want to cut, cut down on the pitches, then they're not really worried about the now. They're worried about the journey, which is October. And I get it. They got bigger goals in mind. Absolutely. And yep. that's the way I look at it. And this is this is the time for the Cardinals to find out what those bigger goals could potentially have in store for them. Because if you're able to win your fair share of games against this Brewers team, you don't got to go like 6-1 and one anymore. This is now it, it's important that you take care of business against the Cubs down the stretch. But if you're able to win three or four games against the Brewers head to head down the stretch, it's going to tell us a lot about the Cardinals ability to be able to go up against the best of the best in the playoffs. John Mosellock on how he was able to get this team and the Cardinals. How were they able to get into this position with two weeks to go? I think we were able to hit the reset button right around uh, July 4th. We brought in some, some pitching to help our bullpen with Garcia and McFarland, And then of course at the trade, deadline. I know it wasn't making headlines, but bringing Lester and Happ in really helped uh, sort of minimize the hemorrhaging where you're seeing other rotations. So here we are. Um, it's always fun when September counts. I mean, I think like the vibe this weekend at the ballpark was, was like a lot of energy, a lot of fun. And, you know, of course, when you're winning those games, it just makes everything uh, feel better. I'll say this on Saturday. Uh, the Cardinals did a awesome job on the 2011 10-year anniversary that was just it was great if you were in your seat early you were treated to what we love the uh what, what's the word i'm looking for the uh, sentimentality i guess of pageantry the, the nostalgia yeah, of being a cardinal fan it was awesome uh from the the video board to what they did with the players um to having them all out there it, it was great it was fantastic now on to the game. You had Adam Wainwright on the mound. Um, and this is no disrespect to what the Cardinals have been trying to do to get fans in and having fans at the ballpark and, and the restrictions. But I'm telling you, BK, that was the first time in two years it felt like Cardinal baseball. Now we had some nice crowds against the Dodgers in moments with Albert. That was great. There's been a couple of crowds that have been, you know, 35, 40,000 throughout the year. 
that place was electric on Saturday night, and it carried over to Sunday. Yesterday, was the, they, the fans were into it from the first pitch. Well, you had to be after Dylan Carlson made that play. Hmm. But my point is, it felt like, oh, man, this is normal again. It feels good to be at the ballpark again. I'm enjoying myself. I'm having an experience at the ballpark. Um, I just, I don't know, man. It was just, it was beyond baseball for me that I felt like, as I looked at life, I, I know I'm going really deep here, but man, that that's a part of my life that I've been doing forever, and it felt normal again. It felt like baseball again. It felt like people enjoying themselves at the ballpark again, regardless of the game. Now, the game yep. made it happen, but man, it was electric, and that was so much fun to see. It was awesome, and I was thinking about this over the weekend. We're going to talk about this a little bit coming up with Alex as well. This is the most fun I can remember having uh, watching Cardinals baseball in like five years or so. I mean, it's it's just the feel around this team is something unique that you don't get very often. This is a moment that Cardinals fans are having with their team. I mean, after the game for Adam Wainwright to come on or to come on the Zoom and say like, hey, thanks to all the fans for sticking with us. I know there's been some brutal moments this year, but I want to thank you guys for sticking with us because of the moment that they got on Saturday night. Like you said, Dan, that's special. That's unique. The What's happening right now with Tyler O'Neill and for him to be the one that made the play that hit the home run on Saturday night. That's special. You're watching something very individualized to St. Louis, but it's it's a lot of fun, man. This is as as excited as I've been to watch Cardinals baseball baseball on a night in night out basis. I think basically going back all the way to when I moved here five years ago. So the only negative I had out of the weekend was the strike zone on Saturday night. It was terrible. Yeah, that was bad. Phil Cousy was terrible that night, and he was terrible on both sides. And the one thing I really wanted to see outside of the, what we saw at the end, which was, a, again, a kind of a magical moment. This is a lot of great moments here down the stretch. But I wanted to see Wainwright's 2,000th at home. Um, and that would have been a really... It should have happened. It, it should have. I mean, there was borderline pitches. And in his final inning, he had one. I thought, well, that's got to be a strike. And it had been a strike all night long, and it wasn't. And I'm not one to, to bury umpires, because I, I, you can have an off night, right? It happens. And Phil Cuzzy's been around a long time long long time and it's been a very good major league umpire but he he was not good that night and there's two things that uh, also separated the Padres and the Cardinals in that game and it led to an altercation by the way with Tatis and Machado but Tatis gets called out on a high strike could have gone either way probably was a ball um, Tyler O'Neill got rung up twice on balls that were well off the plate I mean it was bad and the Cardinals you could see were screaming to Tyler Get away, get away. And Tyler, to his credit, kept his cool because mm-hmm. he would have been ejected. Yep. And what happens? He comes up later in the game and hits a home run. I give him a ton of credit for in that situation with the emotions of everything going on and with runners on at that time, he doesn't get ejected. It easily could have happened where he turns around and says, man, that's boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. And you're out. And he didn't. He stayed in the game. That's to his credit. So that was a big moment in the game. He's a playoff performer, man. What I learned this weekend is that Tyler O'Neill is completely unafraid of the moment. And you've referenced some of the numbers. You said compare them to what we're watching right now from Bryce Harper. Man, in the month of September, Tyler O'Neill is batting 335 with an on-base percentage above 400. Tyler O'Neill with an on-base percentage above 400. And he has a slugging percentage, Dan, this month of 715. 
That is not an OPS. That is his slugging percentage this month. It's amazing what we're watching from him. He's coming through at the biggest possible moments for this team. And man, what we saw over the weekend from him and in that particular moment, that's showing signs of growth. That is maturity right there. And that's what what you needed to see out of Tyler O'Neill this year, and it's coming through in the biggest possible situations. Jeff Levering, the play-by-play voice of the Brewers, will be our guest. Brewers and Cardinals starting a four-game series tonight. Three of the four will be on Valley Sports Midwest. Thursday will be a YouTube spectacular. Back to more of the Danny Mac Show with BK on 101 ESPN. one of my favorites then again i say that about any broadcaster that comes on this show just to kiss the rear end but no this guy really is one of my favorites it's jeff levering and he is the television and radio voice of the milwaukee brewers and has been kind enough to join us this morning hello jeff and good morning to you Oh, good morning, Danny Mac. Man, thank you so much. My my rear end feels nice and kissed. Thank you so much. Oh, you're more than welcome, and you know I mean that because you were in the booth because you get the chance to travel on the radio side, and uh, you know how I treat guys when they come in the booth. I mean, we we you know kick it around and we act like best of friends, and when that door closes, I just absolutely destroy you. So I figure why not That's just do true. it on the radio? I know, that, I know that is a fact. I know that is a fact. I've been on the other side of that before, so I appreciate that. No, no, no. You're one of the best. And uh, Jeff, for fans who don't know, was, um, and I love this connection to the Cardinals, but you were the play-by-play voice in Springfield with the AA team, and uh, you were miscast because you were a major league broadcaster a long time before that. So you, you do a great job. And I bring that up because you know a lot of the guys that are still associated with the St. Louis Cardinals and on the major league team, and you had them in the minor leagues, and that includes uh, Cardinals manager Mike Schilt. Um, so I would imagine this doesn't probably surprise you to see Mike do some of his best work here down the stretch and get this team potentially into postseason play. No, it's not a surprise at all, and, and it feels like ever since he's been a manager, whether it's been in the minor leagues or since he's become the big league manager, they've always the Cardinals have always had big runs in the last couple of months of seasons. And you can go back and Mike Schilt's tenure and his record in the month of August and the month of September speaks for itself. And, um, you know, that goes to, to what he does as a manager. It goes to what the front office does to try and put together a winning team at the end of a season and, and put the pieces together. Um, and whether it's big moves or small moves that they end up working out. And for, for Mike, and I've, I've said this about Mike for a long time, guys just want to play for him. Um, they want to win for him. He develops very good relationships with his players. He lets them be their own personalities. He lets them be themselves inside that clubhouse, it feels like. Um, and that creates a winning culture. And, and it's no surprise that the Cardinals are, are doing what they're doing right now in this month of September. They're on a great run right now. And I don't know if it, it goes back to the Daniel Vogelback Grand Slam that, that won a ball game against the Cardinals um, at American Family Field a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but since then, I mean, the Cardinals have done nothing but win. So maybe that put a little jolt in, in St. Louis. Jeff, from your perspective up there in Milwaukee, what is the vibe relating to the Cardinals right now? I mean, this is the team that has haunted Milwaukee and really every team in this division for years, uh, last couple of decades, frankly, in the NL Central. But what's, what's the vibe like right now as Milwaukee sees the Cardinals going on a late September run once again? 
Yeah, this is this is something that goes back to the 1982 World Series, and uh, it's always kind of oh my gosh, here are the Cardinals, and, and it feels like that a little bit at times. Listen, the, the Brewers have a pretty good lead in the division, and uh, right now the magic number is three. All the Brewers have to do is win two games in this little four-game series, and they're going to win the Central Division. And um, I think that that's that's the the prize at the end of the day. I think that the Brewers are are pretty confident that they're going to be able to do that in the next couple of days um, while the Cardinals are here in town. But there, there is that lingering, man, are you kidding me? The Cardinals are making this run again. It felt like in the month of August, you know, the Reds were playing better baseball and you thought the Padres might try and turn things around, but here are the Cardinals again. You got here Molina and, and Adam Wainwright drinking from the same fountain, the youth cup. And I mean, they're just been, they've been incredible. And, um, but for the Brewers, I think they've, they've played a really good season this year. They win in nothing but series, series after series. They've only lost four series in the second half of the season. Uh, three of those two American league central teams, but it's, it, it's, whatever it is, there, there is that little stigma of, of the Cardinals and the Brewers and, and the Cardinals have ended some some magical runs for the Brewers in, in franchise history. And there's no doubt about that. Jeff Levering is our guest, the voice of the uh, Milwaukee Brewers, Cardinals and Brewers, first of four tonight. Um, you know, I can't imagine what the city is like. And unfortunately, we're not traveling, obviously, this year on the television side. And I tell people when they ask me, you know, hey, give me a city to go to that I'd really enjoy uh, a series against an opposing team. And I say go to Milwaukee. Uh, summertime, weather's great, great golf courses. It's always fun to be down by the river. I mean, there's great things to do. I can't imagine, even with COVID, uh, what the city must be like right now coming off an NBA championship and then to have what really seems like a magical run for the Milwaukee Brewers. I I bet the city's just on fire. It it must be so much fun. Yeah, it's been a really good summer. And and after things started to open up a little bit more like like they did over much of the country, um, you know, the festival started coming back. Summerfest, which is the, the largest outdoor music festival in the country, had three straight weekends of that, and that just ended last weekend. All of the, the cultural festivals that they have in the Summerfest grounds uh, downtown, it's, it's just this is a city where, where you deal with so much in the wintertime that you just want to take advantage of being outside. And it's been one of the hottest summers in the history of the state of Wisconsin. So I think people are really enjoying the fact that they can be outside a lot. The fact that they celebrated the NBA championship, like you mentioned, with the Bucks. there's a lot of buzz going there. The Brewers are putting on a historic season. They're five wins away from matching their franchise record and wins in a single season. So it looks like they might establish another uh, franchise record there. They've got a great team to cheer on and a beautiful ballpark to go to. There's just a lot of excitement. And, and you know, having the opportunity to work with Uke, who's in his 51st season of calling Brewers baseball, he said number of different times and he's been around for every single team that has been fielded in Milwaukee with the exception of 1970, which is insane to talk about every team except for one. And he says pretty consistently to people that come in and visit, this is more than likely the most talented team that he's ever been a part of and and had a chance to watch. Um, And when you got a guy like you saying something like that, the fan base is going to listen. And uh, I think the rest, the country is starting to, to figure that out, too, with this Brewers team. Jeff, we were talking about this in the first segment. I'd love to get your perspective on it. The Cardinals are they've got seven of their final 14 games against the Brewers. 
How do you think Milwaukee is going to approach these seven games? Because as you mentioned, this is one of their best teams they've ever had. um, And they've got bigger things in mind. It's about what the playoffs are going to look like for them. Do they approach these like their playoff games? Do they approach them like they're uh, the middle of April? Like, How are they going to approach these games against the Cardinals in your mind? I think they're going to go for it. I mean, they're, they, first of all, they got to win the division. That's number one. And for the Brewers, go win two games. Maybe if you win the first two games of this series, maybe you see Wednesday uh, a different type of lineup. But, but for the Brewers, they've got some guys like Willie Adamas is scheduled to come off the injured list today. He's got two weeks, basically, to get himself right before the postseason. So I would imagine Willie Adams is going to be in the lineup every single day. You want to try and get Christian Yelich right, which means he needs that bat. So I have a feeling. Uh-oh. Because of some back spasms and some hamstring stuff here in September. So he's going to try and get right, too. So I, I have a feeling that, that a lot of the guys that people would deem, quote, need rest, down the stretch are going to be in the lineup because they want to make sure that they're ready to go for the postseason run. Um, as far as the pitching goes, you know, there, there's a lot of schools of thought of teams that clinch early and they kind of take the, the pedal off of the floor a little bit and they get a little rusty and it's tough to turn that light on and off. And you've seen teams do that in the past and they tend to lay eggs in the postseason. I got a feeling that the Brewers are going to try and keep Freddie Peralta, Brandon Woodruff, and Corbin Burns on on some sort of a uh, normal routine. I think they're going to try and do the same thing with Devin Williams as well as Josh Hader. I, I just don't see this team taking their foot off the gas pedal as much as as one or people around the country might think. I, I think that they want to be firing on all cylinders once the postseason bell rings. Is Craig Council, because of his history, uh, family history with the organization and the fact that he's had success, is he beloved in Milwaukee? I'm, I'm assuming he has to be, and he's got to be considered one of the top managers in the game right now. For sure. I mean, he's born and raised here in Wisconsin. His dad used to work for the team back in the 70s and 80s. Um, he's grown up around this organization. He can. He's going to have this job as long as he wants to have the job, in my opinion. Um, just because he's from here. He's born and raised in Whitefish Bay, still lives in Whitefish Bay. Um, he breathes he breathes Brewers blue and gold, and um, he's done a phenomenal job. He really has. And, and like I was talking about with Mike Schilt, Craig Council's the same way. Where he lets these guys be themselves, he creates a really good culture in that clubhouse. And guys come and go. The team that, that went to the playoffs in 2019 is totally different than the team that the Brewers are running out there right now. That was just two years ago. And um, whoever comes and goes into this organization, they always, if they leave, they always say, man, I wish, I wish I could have taken that clubhouse dynamic and brought it to where I am now. And people want to come to Milwaukee now. It's a, it's a somewhat of a free agent destination now, just because of what Craig Council has created and, the, and what the front office has created here. Final question that I have for you, Jeff. Who do you think is the, or do you think at least at this point, that the Brewers have one of the leading contenders for the Cy Young? Like, if you had the vote, who who would you be voting for for Cy Young this year? Um, if I had the vote, I would probably. I mean, Corbin Burns has done so much. He's he's been phenomenal for the Brewers this year. He'd probably get my vote. I bet you Josh Hader gets a few votes. He has been so good out of the Brewers bullpen. Um, I mean, Zach Wheeler's had a great season this year, too. 
Um, but if, if I had a vote, I'd probably, I'd probably go for Corbin Burns. I mean, he's just, he's been so good. It's tough to go away from Max Scherzer too. I mean, Scherzer's <laughs> had an unbelievable year and he's on a great team and I get it. I totally get it again, sipping from the fountain of youth for him too, but he's, uh, he's had a great year, but I, I would go for Corbin Burns just because of the, the less walks. He hasn't given up as many hits. He's only given up, I think six home runs all season long. You know, maybe because I've seen every start and called every start for Burns, but um, he would get my vote. Who is lined up? Uh, final question. Who's lined up for this uh, series? I, I know it's Peralta tonight, but, you know, with you guys, it's always been looking at how the season has gone. Sometimes you take advantage of off days, six-man rotation, that kind of thing. So uh, who do you have lined up for this series? Yeah, Peralta tonight, I believe Woodruff goes in game two. They are to be determined on Wednesday. That could be a potential Brett Anderson start yeah. coming off the injured list or a bullpen start. Uh, and then I believe Adrian Hauser is in the finale. That was what was on the notes yesterday. Well, yeah, I know you always just go by the notes. Huh. You know. <laughs> well, I expect insight from you, Jeff. Inaccurate, so. <laughs> I expect insight from you, okay? That's why you're on the show. Well, they can always change. They can always change. They can always change. Hey, buddy, thanks for doing this. I'm sure we'll uh, talk uh, privately this afternoon and, and uh, exchange some information. But uh, thanks for hopping on. Appreciate it very much. You got it. Take it easy, guys. Have a good one. You too. That is uh, Jeff Levering, outstanding play-by-play voice of the Milwaukee Brewers. It has been just a tremendous season for Milwaukee in any way you want to look at it. And they did things right, I think, from the beginning in terms of it taking advantage of off days, six-man rotation. They went out and, and got different guys to make a start like a six-starter like Eric Lauer. Mm-hmm. That has helped them out and buy them a little time coming off a truncated season. And we'll see if that was the formula in October that pays off where these guys have a little extra maybe left in the tank as opposed to others. We'll who, see. Who would you go with as your side Young this year in the National League. Scherzer right now. Scherzer? Yeah, I I think it's got to be. What he's done, and I think he's nine, they're nine and oh in his starts right now. And his ERA, I think, is .78 in his time now with Los Angeles. Um, 2.08 ERA on the season. For the year. Which is ridiculous. I I would hope, and I'm not saying he's the Cy Young Award winner, but I, selfishly speaking, the fact that you're coming off a 60 game season and a 40 year old may lead the year uh, lead the season in innings pitched and do it with an ERA under three, and looking at the Cardinal season of what he's done when the Cardinals lose, he's something like 10 wins or 11 wins he's after a loss. Yeah, yeah, those kind of things. The fact now he's got either 12 or 13 in a row in which he's gone at least six innings, the complete games, those things um, that has to be taken into account especially coming off of last year and just how good of a year Adam Wainwright has had. Yeah, I, I think he's running into what is just a super crowded race. Oh, for and that's sure. that's going to hurt him. I mean, Burns, Wheeler, Scherzer, Bueller, Woodruff, those are probably the five guys at the top of the race right now. You could throw Waino in right there as maybe the sixth name. But a guy like Sandy Alcantara kind of has the same type of an argument as Adam Wainwright does Zero right now. Zero run support, by the way, for Alcantara. It's crazy. And what he's doing right now in terms of the innings is what we're talking about with Wayno. So those are those are the guys that are going to be in that conversation for the back end of the top five, probably. But yeah, it's it's a very crowded mix right now for if you're trying to vote on something like that. And why are the Brewers where they're at? Look at their pitching. It has been incredible it's the best the franchise has ever seen and it's not even close their era among their starters is just over three 
They rank second this year. Whip, it's second. Opponent slugging, first. Uh, And the previous highs for them were in the 70s when you talk about that. I was doing a little deep dive on this, but they dominated on the road too, BK. 49-26. and Wow. Best in baseball on the road. Inside the division, it's a third best winning percentage against their own division. They're 46-23. and They dominated the lesser clubs in their division, the Cubs and the Pirates. They went 15-4 and against Chicago, 14-5 and against the Pirates. And in the second half, the second best record only behind the Dodgers in the second half. Dodgers are 40-19, and and uh, the Brewers are 38-19. So that's a recipe for success, and that's why they're in first place. They've been one of the three most consistent teams in the National League, and that's why they're right up there with the Giants and the Dodgers. Can't get enough cards talk? You've come to the right place. Back to more of the Danny Mac Show with BK on 101 ESPN. You know I like this segment. I do. It's your favorite time of the day. I love it. Uh, Let's start with Shohei Otani back at it again. Oh, magnificent. In the seventh. Shohei Otani punches out the side. Base is loaded. Tight game. Two out, eighth inning. 2-2. Go! Tenth strikeout. Any doubt he's the MVP? Shohei, no. No. And yesterday he came into the game and there was some question as to whether or not he would be able to start. I think he had some soreness in his arm, if I'm not mistaken. And boom, goes out there and lights him up with 10 strikeouts in the game. Pretty incredible. incredible. Blue Jays uh, and Boston. Now, they, if it ended today, they would be the wild card winners in the American League. Boston leads Toronto by a game. Toronto has a player that really no one is talking about having a monster season. Club to left field. 40 for Marcus Simeon as he continues his incredible season for the Blue Jays. What a milestone for Marcus, his 40th home run on the year. So number 40 for Marcus Simeon. They've got Vlad Guerrero. He's been unbelievable. Bichette's a good player. That's a good team. So Toronto right now is 84-65, and and they have the second wild card spot, and they're chasing the Red Sox. Red Sox 4, Baltimore 3. There's a high fly ball into left that's way up there. Santander turning, looking. That is into the monster seats. Home run. His 94th run batted in. He had enough, and the Red Sox lead it 5-3. to three. Red Sox have won seven of their past ten and six straight to have that game in front of Toronto. Meanwhile, in the National League, boy, did the Braves need this. Little looper. He's yeah. got it. Rosario has hit for the cycle. And he wants that baseball, you bet. Double, triple, homer, single. Freddie Freeman, Trey Turner, Jake Cronenworth, and now Rosario all have hit for the cycle. And so the Braves, they're trying to hold on in the East. Now, we talk about the Phillies chasing for the wild card. Keep an eye. We need to start looking at what is happening with the Braves. They needed that win. They salvaged one game in San Francisco. They blew a lead late over the weekend. They lead the Phillies by two games. Meanwhile, the uh, Brewers, we've talked a lot about them, and they have just pounded the Cubs this year. For a fourth straight year, the Brewers are playoff bound. Hader strikes out Wisdom, 
And Milwaukee is back in the postseason. And now they've got to try to figure out how to win against St. Louis and win the NL Central, which should happen maybe this week, depending on what the Cardinals do. But certainly they're going to win the NL Central. Meanwhile, scoreboard watching, the Cardinals got some help yesterday thanks to L.A. Seager turns on the first one that he sees and launches it to Laranger. Two-run home run, Corey Seager. The Dodgers lead 5-0 on three home runs. The Dodgers, 16 in front of uh, St. Louis, by the way. Cardinals now with a three-game lead, thanks to the Dodgers helping them out because they took two of three over the weekend against Cincinnati. Cincinnati is three back, and the Phillies are three and a half. McNeil swings and sends a big ball out to right. Harper's on the run. He looks up, and it's gone. Big home run. McNeil late. And the Phillies dropped that one to the Mets 3-2. to two. So going into this game, BK, Cardinals three in front of Cincinnati, three and a half in front of the Phillies and the Padres. And looking forward to tonight. Can't wait for the ball game tonight. It's going to be fun, Dan. We are now into officially the stretch run for the Cardinals. You've got some good games down the stretch. Milwaukee and Chicago, we always know those games against Chicago. Even though the team's down right now, those are going to be a hell of a lot of fun, especially up in Wrigley. What uh, what do you have coming up on your show? Yeah, looking forward to it. So we've got Katie Wu coming up at 1230 today, talking a lot of Cardinals between now and the end of the show. And Dan, I have had a, uh, say a rough start, a little bit of a slump to start off the uh, NFL and college football season when it comes to my pick'em. Did not go well for me once again this weekend. And so in the one o'clock hour, I get to wax my chest. So that's going to be fun. Are you a hairy guy? Not that I paid attention, but uh, not particularly, but I've heard that that makes it just that much worse. So it's going to be great. <laughs> well, you may find, though, that you uh, want to do this the rest of your life. I don't think that's going to be the case, Dan. Well, we'll find out. Definitely not on the air. <laughs> Probably not on the air. Peloton, let's go. This holiday with the right music and the right motivation from world class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.